Hello. 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 And welcome to Mobilize. Mobilize is a podcast that puts a spotlight on and is a resource for people, people, friends, communities, communities activists, activists who've decided to stand up, resist, 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 fight back, mobilize. Each day, together, together, we shine a light on the we truth. Shine a light on the we truth. focus on the things that unite us. We pull each other up. We celebrate, we celebrate our, our shared humanity. humanity. Episode 24, Ninjam. Hi, my name is Robert Kohler. This episode was recorded remotely using Ninjam. In the episode you're about to hear, producer Corey Choi has a remote conversation with Justin Frankel about his software Ninjam and how it is helping people stay creative during the COVID-19 pandemic. Listeners of this podcast will immediately recognize Justin's voice. He reads the title and number at the beginning of each episode. But beyond that, Justin is a software developer, he is a musician, he is an activist, and he is an all-around good guy. Welcome to Mobilize. Thank you so much for joining me, Justin. I really appreciate it. Can you just introduce yourself and say who you are and what Ninjam is? My name is Justin Frankel, and I uh, am a programmer and musician. And for my entire professional career, I've been making software for making music and for playing with sound and music. And so one of the things I make is a digital audio workstation. But before that, one of my projects was something called Ninjam. And it was a tool for musicians to play with other musicians online. And out of that actually came other things that were more commercially interesting. And Ninjam was this sort of niche thing that since then has been used by dozens of people at a time over the last 15 years. And so recently, given the current situation, there's been an uptick in people using it. But uh, the, the real problem with audio communication on the internet is that generally there's latency, as I'm sure everyone's familiar with from Skype and all these different ways that people communicate. And for conversation, it, it's not so bad. But when you're talking about playing music, uh, a little bit of latency is very noticeable and makes uh, playing together really difficult. So what Ninjam does is it increases the amount of latency so that instead of it being a fraction of a second, it ends up being some musical interval. So that when you're playing music, you're actually playing with what people played four bars ago. So when you're playing along, they can't hear what you're playing until four bars later either. So it's like playing together with a bunch of musicians who aren't paying attention to you, uh, which is kind of like playing with musicians in real life, depending on the musicians. But if you don't really focus too much on trying to like have changes and things like traditional band practice, and you just space out and make psychedelic music or jazz or whatever, and then it works pretty well. When did you first make Ninjam? I made it in 2005. What was the impetus for making it? Why did you make Ninjam? It's hard to remember exactly. I mean, I was playing with friends a lot in person, and I think it was just like kind of a thought of how could we do this without having to leave home. But mostly it was just for entertainment. Can you talk a little bit about the internet as it was in 2005 in terms of speed and Ninjam and the internet as it is now? 
Were there any difficulties in 2005 that we wouldn't think about now? You know, for for the purposes of uh, the the kind of bandwidth that we're talking about for audio streaming, it hasn't changed that much. I, I can't really say what the general Amer the average American's internet was like 2005. I have no idea. I know what mine my internet was like and my friends. What was it? You know, it was probably 10 megabit or something like that, which is plenty for streaming audio. It's like anything over a megabit is probably wasted on you. When did people start moving from dial-up? Do you remember? I think by 2001, 2002, a lot of people had DSL and cable modems. Was bandwidth a concern at that point for users worldwide or not really? The issue was if you ran a server, the number of people who connect to the server at one time makes the bandwidth use grow rapidly. So if you double the number of users, it actually ends up being four times as much bandwidth. So... At that time, that was a bigger issue where you'd be like, oh, I want to provide servers for 20 people. And that would actually have been like a difficult thing. Nowadays, things have definitely gotten a lot cheaper. Oh, well, you know, actually, that that actually springs a question then. You said you'd occasionally drop in on the public servers that people run. How the hell did anyone hear about this thing in the first place? Why were there public servers that people ran? I ran some servers early on and then at some point wrote some scripts so that when you would connect to these servers, the servers can ask you to agree to a license agreement. So the ones that we ran initially and the public ones today often have a Creative Commons license where your contributions to the recording are basically available for reuse as long as whatever the terms are. I think, you know, you give attribution and you, uh, I don't remember whether or not it prohibited commercial use or whatever. One of the things I did was I made some scripts that would go and record everything and then automatically mix and adjust the levels and cut songs based on when things get quiet and when they get loud and uses some very crude heuristics for that. And then, uh, so we had this big archive of a ton of music. It's all random stuff recorded by strangers on the internet mostly, and that's still going on. But getting back to your earlier question, at some point, I think there was a guy in France who uh, wanted to take them over. And so we migrated the servers to run on some server in France that he was running and uh how did how did he find me uh, i think we like we had the company forums that people posted on and, and stuff like that and uh and by that point you know there were a bunch of reaper users who were um who were there too so uh, i think it was mostly through the forums and email and that sort of thing you know, one of the things that really drew me to your software in the first place is that it seems to come from a spirit of sharing and truly enabling the users. Can you just talk a little bit about your philosophy on software in general? I mean, I guess what it comes down to is that I grew up playing around on computers. So I, I just when I use software on a computer, I want it to not be limited in what I can do with it. it ideally, everything should be as open-ended as possible. So that means, you know, if I'm using a piece of software and it generates a project file, I want that to be either a, a file format that's documented or something that's text-based so that I can go. And if I want to write a tool that pulls some data out of there, it's straightforward enough to do. So that influences my design of things because that's the software that I want to be using is something that's built in such a way that other people can go and do whatever they want using it as opposed to trying to make it proprietary and being secretive about how things are structured. Um, and so 
that applies to other software, but then it's also, I think, applies to just life in general. If you want to talk about things like copyright, the original purpose of copyright is to encourage people to develop works and gives them a method to monetize them. And originally it was, you know, uh, you, you get a copyright on something until you die plus some number of years. And, and that, that period has been extended to the point where after you die, your copyright's still valid for 70 years or however it is, many years it is now, which is sort of like goes a little bit beyond the purpose of giving people incentive and more uh, is about preserving monopolies and things like that. Okay, so, so here's a question for you. What do you hope your software or some of your software does for people or do you care well i hope that people find it useful and it enables people to do things that they want to do and i don't want them to ever feel like they are stuck with it because that's what they've been using and if there's something they want to use that's better i wouldn't want them to be using it just because they have no choice I want people to like the thing that they're using and be using it because of that, not because they are forced into it. Can you talk a little bit about what your experience was like just personally when the COVID crisis really hit and then just how Ninjam came back to you? Well, you know, I think at some point prior to this, one of my friends who I play with, Bandy, we had talked about uh, doing it at some point from our respective homes and uh, we never got around to it. When we started social distancing, it was something that we were talking about doing. And then around the same time that we were talking about that, we saw an uptick in traffic on the forums of people asking how to set up servers and things like that. Are you willing to talk a little bit about how the crisis has affected you personally, or would you prefer not to talk about that? I feel really, really lucky that you know I, I have everything I need, and I have Allison, who, like, we are in this together and I pretty much work from home anyway. And so generally I feel really lucky and I, I just, I look around and I'm just so sad for other people who are not. And I'm, I'm mad and just angry that the people who have the power to change these things are not doing it or they're doing, <laughs> doing worse than that. Um, and just the, the level of mismanagement and active betrayal is, is what really just that, that side is what gets me, uh, seeing the, the humane, like seeing there's so much good things happening so many good people, but seeing the people who as our government, they have this responsibility and very few people seem to take that seriously. And eventually some of them do, but it's, it, that is just really, really demoralizing. Your software is making it possible for people to play music with each other in a way that they didn't think was possible. And I think that's really, really important. It's probably something you didn't envision when you first made it, or, or is this something that you thought about? I definitely wasn't thinking about a global pandemic that would cause everyone to stay at home. <laughs> but I'm happy that, you know, I, I'm definitely happy to help encourage people to stay at home. Thank you so much, Justin. I really appreciate it, man. And I actually really, really appreciate you doing the episodes. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, thank you for having me, Corey. Thanks again. All right. Have a good night. Have a good night. Cheers. Say everybody there. I will too. <laughs> Bye.